Welcome to the Rapid Response RN Podcast, helping you keep your finger on the pulse of your patient's condition with real-life stories from the front lines of nursing. This podcast can help you sharpen your assessment skills, improve your ability to recognize the signs and symptoms of your patient's decline, be inspired to speak up and advocate, and know how to jump into action to promote the best outcome for your patients. Hey, everybody. I'm your host, Sarah Lorenzini, a rapid response nurse and educator who loves telling stories to teach critical thinking. On today's episode, I will tell you about one of the most unusual rapid response calls I've ever been on, and what I learned about how to treat a prolapsed rectum. I've been looking forward to this episode because it's a fun one to tell. Being a nurse, especially having worked in the ER, people always ask me, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen? And while I've had several stories about patients presenting to the ER with objects in different orifices, or the things psych patients have said to me, or the interesting hold my beer injuries that I've cared for, this one is a great go-to crazy day in the life of a rapid response nurse story. I mean, honestly, my favorite stories are the ones that exhibit what a difference compassionate nursing care has made in the life of a patient or their family. I could spend hours telling stories of the amazing and beautiful humans that I've had the privilege to connect with and provide care, care that heals and care that brings comfort and provides dignity for patients who are dying. But those type of stories don't really gather a crowd at a party, and most people wouldn't enjoy hearing of the times that I got to hold my patient's hand as they took their last breath, or how exciting extubation day is for a patient who's been intubated and sedated in the ICU for weeks. But... Those experiences are the ones that keep me loving my profession, the ones that make me so proud of the work that I get to do, and the reasons why I get out of bed and leave my family to come to the hospital each shift. Funny, crazy stories make for great TV and interesting podcast, but I wouldn't want to make a whole career out of them, honestly. There's just so much beauty, so many miracles that I get to bear witness to, uh, and so much opportunity to highlight all of this in humanity, but... For today, let's talk about prolapsed rectums. So whenever I get the notification that the rapid response team is needed, I never know what I'm walking into. Sometimes it's something simple, like the patient just had a seizure. Or sometimes I walk in and find a dusky, unresponsive patient that goes into cardiac arrest within minutes of my arrival. I don't know if I'm heading into a psych emergency, um, a patient found on the ground after a fall, a patient bleeding out, an old patient, a young patient, it's almost always a surprise. So this particular call, as I was approaching the room, I heard moaning. Hmm. The nurse was waiting for me at the door as if there was something that she wanted to tell me before I went in. So I greeted her and said, hi there, I'm Sarah from the rapid response team. Are you the primary nurse for this patient? And her eyes were wide open and she said, yes. I said, oh, okay, great. Um, what's going on with your patient? And she said, she's got a prolapsed rectum. Okay, pause. So while I was thinking in my head, um, why would you call the rapid response team for a prolapsed rectum? I would never say that because I know the nurse would only call because they are genuinely concerned for their patient and they think that I can help them provide the care their patient needs. But I mean, I've cared for several patients with prolapsed rectums and they're all pretty straightforward. They never required emergent intervention. You just kind of nudge it back in. 
But, you know, I reiterate over and over again that I want nurses to call the rapid response team for any reason that concerns them, even if the patient's vital signs are stable. If they have a concern, if their gut or intuition says something's up, that alone is enough reason to call the rapid response team. So I was happy to help her navigate this little prolapse rectum situation. But I was not prepared for what I was about to see. So I walked in to find like a 70-ish old female patient up on all fours in the bed, her head towards the head of the bed and her bare buttocks up in the air facing the doorway. Her moaning had, at this point, escalated to screaming and there were a few of the nurses in the room and two nursing students all trying to calm the patient down but to no avail. Y'all, I had never seen anything like this before. This poor lady's rectum was hanging out like 10 inches. It looked like a big, angry, red, mucosal pineapple. I'm not kidding. It was bulbous and bumpy, not smooth like the other tiny prolapse rectums I had seen. It looked so painful. And as I'm trying to wrap my head around what exactly is happening here physiologically, everyone in the room looked at me like I knew what to do. Someone even said, oh, thank God Sarah's here. Um, to do what? I thought to myself, I have no idea how to fix this. I think everyone assumes that the rapid response nurse is the expert in everything, but I was no rectal prolapse expert and still don't claim to be. But what I am good at is bringing calm in the midst of chaos and utilizing my resources. So I started with that. I made my way up to the head of the bed and introduced myself to the patient. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I'm the rapid response nurse. I know this is scary, but we're going to help you and take good care of you. Then I looked to the primary nurse and said, can you please call the doctor overseeing her case and let me speak with him or her? She said, the surgeon's already on his way. Awesome. So next, I asked the nurse tech to bring me some pillows to prop up the prolapse rectum. It just looks so very painful dangling there, letting gravity take its toll. And while I have no personal experience with body parts dangling from me, I remember the strain I felt on my back when I was pregnant and how good it felt to prop my giant baby belly up on a pillow. I was hoping the pillows would provide some relief for this poor woman's backside, and it did. Her moaning lowered in volume and intensity, and as soon as we got the pillows positioned, I covered up her fanny and her rectum so it was no longer exposed. I then stepped into the hallway to talk to the nurse and get the rest of the story. As she was reviewing the patient's history, she paused and pointed down the hallway and said, here comes the surgeon. Oh my goodness, y'all. I wish you could see this guy. As much as I try not to judge a person by their appearance or make assumptions about their competence based on their age or demeanor, this guy was maybe 5'1", 5'2". I mean, I'm only 5'3", and he was shorter than me, and he looked like 17 years old, wearing this oversized white lab coat. Again, who am I to judge? I started as a nurse when I was 19, but this guy looks so young. Is he going to know what to do? Because I sure don't. So I walked with him into the room and gently pulled the cover back to expose the patient's rectum. And the surgeon says to me, in all seriousness, without even the slightest smirk, we're going to need some sur- (laughs) I can't even even say without laughing. (laughs) We're going to need some sugar. Everyone kind of looked at each other confused. So I clarified, doctor, you would like me to get you some sugar, like granulated sugar, the the kind you put in your coffee? 
He said, yes, and I'll need a lot. So I clarified again. When you say a lot, like how many sugar packets will you need? He said, I don't know, 20 to 30. I responded with a completely straight face to match his. Okay, no problem. Anything else you'll need? And he said, yes, some gloves with long wrist cuffs. Like sterile gloves? Yes, perfect, size six. So I sent the primary nurse to grab the gloves and I headed towards the nutrition room to get some sugar. Stat! I scooped up as much sugar as I could fit in my two hands and scrub pockets. And as I was walking back with my hands full of sugar packets, I was so curious to see what his plan was with this sugar. I mean, I had my guesses, but this was not a therapy I had learned about in nursing school, and it definitely was not on my NCLEX exam. When I returned and plopped the giant pile of sugar packets at the foot of the bed, the surgeon directed me to open all the sugar packets and pour them directly onto the prolapse rectum. So, as if I had done this hundreds of times, I proceeded to open several packets at a time and shake the contents onto the angry red rectum. As I continued, the sugar started to absorb the edema in the rectum and turned the sugar granules into sugar sludge, dripping down to the chuck pads below. Literally, before my eyes, the giant rectum was shrinking down. Next thing I know, Doogie Hauser grabs hold of the prolapse rectum and says, You're gonna feel a little pressure! and pushes it right back inside, like a boss. As he was taking his gloves off, he said, she is scheduled for surgery in the morning. Call me if this happens again before then. He threw his gloves in the trash like a mic drop and walked out the door. And that was it. So I helped ease the patient down off her hands and knees, cleaned off the sugar sludge, and positioned her comfortably on her side, tucked in her covers. I told her she did a great job and that she deserved a good nap after all of that. She agreed and closed her eyes. I thanked everyone for being there, ushered them out the room, and turned off the light. Once we got out of the room, the nurses and nursing students looked at me and said, What just happened? To which I responded, Osmosis, I guess. We all crowded around a computer and Googled, Sugar for the treatment of prolapsed rectum. And sure enough, dozens of articles about using sugar to osmotically draw out the fluid in the rectal mucosa to shrink the size of the prolapse portion and encourage successful reduction. <clears throat> For my lay friends, to reduce something means to put it back where it goes. Like you can reduce your dislocated shoulder back into place. In all my years as a nurse and all the crazy stuff I had seen, this is my first ever experience pouring sugar on my patient's rectum. I said to the group, don't you just love nursing? There's always more to learn, right? And I got back to the rapid response team office Three of my colleagues were there writing notes on the calls they just returned from, and I was like, guys, I've got to tell you about what I just did. Never in my whole career have I encountered something like this before. I taught them all about the miraculous effects of granulated sugar on prolapsed rectums, and they kept calling me the residing prolapsed rectum expert. Adding to my credentials, Sarah Lorenzini, RN, MSN, CCRN, CEN, and now PRE. They also suggested that as their prolapse rectum expert, I start carrying sugar packets in my fanny pack in case I encounter such an emergency again. I assured them this was likely a once in a career type of thing. I mean, I made it this long without seeing such a severe case of prolapse rectum. What's the chances I would ever see this again? But y'all, the very next day, <laughs> I responded to a rapid response call on a different floor with a different nurse and a different patient and I walked in to find the patient with a prolapse rectum.
I kid you not. It was not as big or excruciating as the one the day prior, but still, it was prolapsed and not going back in on its own. But as the residing PRE, I knew what to do. We had the sugar packets and sterile gloves ready to go when Doogie Hauser showed up. And with several spoonfuls of sugar, he helped the patient's rectum shrink back down and put it back in place. That was six years ago, and I haven't seen a prolapsed rectum since. Though I would occasionally find a sugar packet slipped in my fanny pack as a fun reminder for my esteemed colleagues of my back-to-back rectal prolapse emergencies. I know, it's crazy, right? Nursing is such an awesome career. One minute, you're scanning an antihypertensive pill for administration. And the next, you're pouring sugar packets on your patient's rectum. All in a day's work. All right, there isn't much here to explain with regards to pathophysiology and pharmacology, but in case you too encounter such an emergency, let's break it down. Rectal prolapse are most often found in the elderly and occur more frequently in females. They develop from weakened rectal muscles, prolonged or excessive straining, stretching of the pelvic floor during childbirth, weakened ligaments, and or neurological deficits. The rectum is the lowest portion of your poop chute, and with enough strain, it can separate and slip out of the anus, exposing a portion of the internal poop chute on the outside. It's kind of turned inside out, actually. The minor ones that I had seen prior to this look like beefy red colostomy stoma, or like concentric rings of the rectum just peeking out a little bit. Usually the patient self-reduces the prolapse, but for severe cases, there are surgical options. However, for the elderly, surgery is extra risky, and sugar is far less invasive and carries little consequences. What's a little sugar sludge when compared to intubation, anesthesia, and surgical incisions? The sugar works through osmosis. If you remember back to high school chemistry, when the concentration of a solute is greater on one side of a permeable membrane, fluid is pulled from the less concentration side, less concentrated side, into the more concentrated side. When rectums prolapse, they often become very edematous and swollen with extra fluid. Adding sugar increases the concentration on the outside of the rectum and therefore draws fluid out of the swollen cells to the outside of the rectum, resulting in shrinking the size of the prolapsed rectum and making it easier to reduce. From what I've read, this also works on prolapsed or edematous ileostomy or colostomy stomas. In theory, Salt would work too, but salt is really harsh and more irritating. The risk of harm from sugar is very low, and about 50% of the time, it works to shrink the rectum down to a size that is less painful and easier to manage, helping the patient avoid surgery. The same theory is true for when we give hypertonic solutions intravenously. You can even envision what happens at the cellular level by thinking about my patient's giant prolapsed rectum shrinking down as I poured on the sugar. We increase the concentration of solutes within the vascular space by adding extra salt intravenously, just like I added a little extra sugar to the outside of the rectum. Increasing the concentration of solutes in the bloodstream pulls fluid from the interstitial space into the bloodstream and reduces edema. That's how hypertonic saline reduces cerebral edema and how albumin increases blood pressure. Albumin is technically a colloid, not classified as a hypertonic IV fluid, but it is a solution of highly concentrated proteins which act to pull fluid from the interstitial space into the vascular space, 
as fluid shifts across the cell membrane into the bloodstream, blood volume increases, and with it, blood pressure improves. There's really no magic, just the basic scientific principle of osmosis in action. Isn't science fun? Especially when it helps your patient. So here are the takeaways from this story. First, prolapse rectum is a thing. Usually it's not a big deal, but sometimes it is so severe it requires surgery. But before you send the patient off with a surgeon, maybe suggest putting a little sugar on it to see if it can be reduced manually rather than surgically. Your patient might look at you funny when you bust out the sugar packets, but if it works, they'll thank you when their rectum is no longer protruding outside of their body. Second, don't judge someone's competence based on their appearance. I was totally in the wrong to assume that this doctor might not know what he was doing based on the fact that he looked like he should still be riding the school bus. He obviously was an expert in his field. He knew exactly what to do and managed this emergency like a boss. I am grateful for the people who trusted me to care for them or their loved ones when I was so young. <clears throat> Those who didn't say, you're the charge nurse? How old are you? Or didn't treat me like I was stupid just because I'm little or looked inexperienced. We need each other to provide the best care to our patients. And each of us has strengths and weaknesses, areas of expertise, and areas where we're novices. So don't ask me to pass you something off the top shelf of the supply room. Height is not my strong suit. But I can show you where everything in the crash cart is because emergencies are kind of my jam. And finally... Osmosis is so cool, and it's really cool to see it in action in your patient. So next time you hang a liter of IV fluids, ask yourself, is this an isotonic, hypotonic, or hypertonic solution, and how is it going to help my patient? What can I expect it to do to the blood volume, to the cells, to the blood pressure? And if you have a hard time wrapping your head around the complicated fluid tonicity chart that you learned in nursing school, just think of my poor patient's prolapse rectum and envision what happens when you increase the concentration on the outside of the cell. I hope this will help you relate it back to the fluid you're about to administer and what effect it will have on your patient. Well, that's it for today's episode. If you like this podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can shoot me an email with questions or comments, and it would mean so much if you could take a moment to write a review on iTunes, as this helps more listeners find this podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope you learned something that will save a life. Remember, nursing is a team sport, so trust your intuition and don't give up advocating until you are confident you've done what's right by your patient. You've been listening to the Rapid Response RN podcast. The views and opinions expressed on this show are that of Sarah Lorenzini and hers alone. They are not intended as medical advice and should not take the place of your institution's policies or procedures. Evidence-based practice is ever-changing, and your patient's care should reflect the current best practice. If you want to get in contact with Sarah, you can find her at rapidresponsermpodcast at gmail.com or on the Rapid Response RM Podcast Facebook page, as well as the podcast website, rapidresponserm.com.